Hello, everyone. Welcome to Enabling Digital with Systems Plus podcast series. Today, I'm excited to welcome Bashir Abuela, CTO at Hospital for Special Surgery. He is a technology thought leader and a digital evangelist in the healthcare, healthcare space. Bashir, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Saf, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, to share with you and your listeners um, my insights and um, also learn learn from you as we go along. Oh, our pleasure. So let's let's kick it off. Um, can you tell me a little bit and our listeners a little bit about your background and your current role? And to be honest, I'm especially interested in your journey from Nigeria uh, to where you are today. Okay, um, so I grew up in Nigeria and uh, began my education and my professional uh, journey there. I studied computer science at the bachelor's and master's degree level there, began working there, and then I had the opportunity to uh, uh, emigrate to the United States when a company, a local company here in New Jersey uh, hired me, I came in and began providing services for their clients in um, different sectors. And mm -hmm. one of the sectors was in healthcare and uh, ended up uh, doing systems administration for that company at um, a healthcare organization. And that heralded my way into healthcare. Uh, I've been in healthcare now, healthcare technology over the last, uh, over, over 20 years. Um, uh, in my current role at the Hospital for Special Surgery, HSS, I have oversight. Uh, I'm, I'm a vice president and chief technology officer there. I have oversight of infrastructure and operations and also uh, technology uh, stra strategy, uh, assisting the organization in developing technology strategy that aligns with its desired business outcomes. And also in implementing uh, those technologies strategy, working together with the larger IT team and the, uh, the various operational business areas in the in the organization. Um, prior to coming to HSS, I, I worked for a number of years at another top tier uh, healthcare organization in the area, uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. It's an academic medical institution focused on um, research and care uh, in the areas of oncology. Um, at HSS, on the other hand, where I'm at currently, uh, we are focused on musculoskeletal care. We're the global leader in musculoskeletal care. In orthopedics, we have patients come to us um, from all over the world, and we cater to our patients across uh, New Jersey, locations in New Jersey, Connecticut, New York, and Florida, but we cater to a global patient uh, population. That's that's amazing. And both the institutions you mentioned are highly reputed and well known across the globe. Um, so I want to ask you, actually, uh, you know, what's sort of on all our minds these days, which is uh, AI and ChatGPT with all the buzz. How do you see the impact of AI in healthcare, in the healthcare sector in general? Uh, these are exciting times. Um, I'm, I'm, if, you, if you speak with um, uh, both clinicians and technologists, and you pose this question, you see there's a lot of excitement, a lot, a lot of buzz in the industry right now, just right. thinking about the potential impact that uh, artificial intelligence uh, has, um, particularly when you think about tools like ChatGPT 
Uh, there are opportunities um, in the areas of improving diagnostics in personalized uh, patient care or pre precision medicine, and also in uh, improving the operational efficiencies of our uh, care system. So if, if you just think about diagnostics, and this is one area that already there's a lot of work and development over the last several years. Um, there are many, many companies out there today that have done um, work in computer vision in, you know, the, being able to use AI to analyze medical images, you know, x-rays and MRIs and CT scans. And um, that, if you think about the potential for that, of that to, uh, you know, assist us with access uh, to care. You know, we don't have enough of the technology available, you know, in many parts of the world, even in underserved parts of the, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, Western world, we, we do not have as many um, radiologists or, or, or facilities to, to, to do uh, those radio, radiographical uh, imaging processes. Now with AI being able to analyze images and, and at, in some cases better, or at, at least as good as a trained radiologist, I mean, that's, that, that's just the potential to improve access for care in that, in that space is great. Um, also, if you think about the, one thing that we have a lot of in healthcare is data. Every interaction, every touch point that a patient has generates data in, in some form or the other. Uh, AI, one of the capabilities of um, much of the AI technologies we're looking at is its ability to analyze vast amount of data. And with that, we're able to really uh, personalize care. You know, you look at the data for patterns and determine also what would work best with each person. You know, the, 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 the whole idea of precision medicine treating the individual person based on their unique uh, circumstances and situation and characteristics, uh, as opposed to just generalized treatment, which is how medicine has been practiced for, for centuries. Uh, but now with um, the, the opportunity to provide, provide personalized patient care, and that's just going to help to reduce cost and improve the experience of care. Um, and then also the other dimension, uh, which I talked about, operational efficiencies. Much of the cost in, in healthcare today are due to um, perhaps inefficiencies in care delivery. And we can make patient care, care delivery better, faster, and get better outcome if we can improve, you know, different processes that we have. So. There's an opportunity there, and there are lots of efforts underway to explore how AI can help improve operational efficiencies, make the clinicians more efficient, uh, reduce the burden that they feel as part of delivering care. And we can talk a little bit more as we continue the conversation. Yeah, certainly. Actually, you you talked about data, and in in this area, the, the amount of data collected is huge. Um, and well. And to draw a parallel, um, we do a fair bit of work with uh, retailers and they talk mm -hmm. about customer experience. I, I presume um, that patient experience is equally important in, in, um, in your uh, sort of in your field. Um, how do you envision, and I, and I know you touched on it, but how do you envision um, the data that's being collected to sort of create that 
hyper-personalization, uh, really creating that next level of patient experience um, that, that, that we know that, especially in the retail space, for example, because you, you, you see that, right? And most people don't think of it in the hospital space, but uh, and hence I'm drawing, trying to draw the parallel. How do you see that evolution of the patient experience uh, based on the data that's being collected? So, you know, the today's consumers, and we're all consumers in, in, in one form or the other, we, right. we, we come to healthcare with an expectation of certain service levels. You know, we're used to, many of us are used to being able to um, interact with retail or, or financial services firms in, in, in a way that we're able to get personalized services. They sort of seem to know when you shop on, on many of the big retail websites, they, they know what you want and they know what you've bought before. And when you buy something, um, they let you know when you're gonna, when your order is gonna get delivered. You know, so they, they they really know how to use data. Um, even when you when you're shopping and you're missing something that you forgot to buy something, they would prompt you and say, "Hey, maybe you need to buy this as well." They'll upsell you. So, uh, so in in healthcare, there are opportunities to take advantage of data to improve healthcare. In 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 terms of one, just predictive medicine, being able to look at the pattern in the health records of a per, of a person and to be able to predict their predis, their, their their predisposition to particular diseases or, or, or health conditions that might be adverse to their well-being and being able to say hey well, um, you know what right now there's no problem but from what we know from the analy the analysis that we've done on this person's health record they might be predisposed to coming down with diabetes a, a few years from now or, or some other mm -hmm. health conditions. And if they take, if they make this change and this life, lifestyle change and that lifestyle change, um, that condition can be avoided and they can actually have a better quality of life. So, so this is helping us to shift um, attention and investment in care to the beginning of the healthcare delivery value chain, which is wellness. You know, by being able to cater more to wellness, we're able to keep more people healthier for longer, as opposed to waiting till people become sicker and more expensive to care for. So um, the opportunity to use data in that sense is great. The expectations are there, you know, people won't have access to their data. You know, one of the problems we have traditionally in healthcare is poor interoperability, at, at least in, in the US and in many parts of the world, poor data interoperability. You know, often you go to a doctor and um, you provide a ton of data, they do a bunch of tests. And if you have to go somewhere else sometime later, you might end up having to repeat much of what you did previously. Right. Uh, just because, you know, the data that was collected or generated at the other place isn't readily available at this new place. Um, those are problems that are being worked on that are, and, and AI and other technologies can assist in, in bridging those gaps. But um, I think there's a lot of opportunities uh, ahead for us to improve patient care through taking advantage of um, new technologies and, and, and the volume of data that we have. That is that is very exciting. So, how do you then navigate the whole um, regulation that's so um, well? 
so entrenched uh, in in the healthcare sector? And and how do you how do you as a technologist sort of well leverage technology in general to navigate uh, the regulation? You know, healthcare is a, a highly regulated industry, and and rightly so. You know, this is. I mean, there's nothing like like health, right? Health is probably the most important thing to to all of us because uh, we, without health, we we really don't have much else, right? You know, our health leads to many other things. It it enables our security, it enables our well-being in many aspects of our lives. So health uh, it does need to be regulated, uh, but with regulation, un unfortunately, comes lots of friction, and. Right. Uh, many times when we're trying to deploy technology to solve some of healthcare's problem, the regulations don't keep uh, aren't keeping pace with advancements in technology. We, we now we we saw an experience, we saw a, a, an instance where regulations were relaxed uh, in favor of technology technology enablement of care delivery over you know last three or four year, three years or four years with the mm -hmm. pandemic. Right. Um, you know, many regulators, many localities, um, you know, removed regulations that would have prevented virtual care or, or forms of virtual care, and that allowed us to quickly respond to the pandemic and continue to care for people. And unfortunately for us, we're able to still carry forward. But some of those um, rules that were relaxed are, are sort of been on reversed in different areas, and 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 of course that's gonna make things a little bit more challenging going forward but the good thing is we 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 we've seen what we're able to do when regulations uh, and policies healthcare policy, policies aren't the impediment and, and I'm not suggesting by any stretch that um we don't need healthcare policies or regulation we absolutely do but the problem that we have is just that unfortunately um the policies and regulations don't move in, in good cadence with advancements in, in care delivery, in, in, in technology. And right. we just need to somehow figure that out so right. that um, we can move faster and better forward. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the pace technology moves at um, is not the pace regulation moves at. Very, very, it's a very interesting observation and actually correct. Um, so you, you touched on virtual care or telemedicine as it used to be known. Um, you know, it's been around for a while, but uh, but the post-pandemic, it has taken on a new sense of purpose. Uh, so how were you able to support uh, this change? Well, for, for you know, for, for me, particularly in, in the infrastructure and operations side, um, when when the pandemic uh, hit uh, back in the spring of uh, 2020, uh, one of the things we had to do was enable our organization to, and then this is, you'd hear the same, same similar, other CTOs would tell you pretty much the same thing. Uh, we, we had to enable the organization to shift how it did what it did, you know, and in our case, in the case of healthcare, a big part of that shift was uh, enabling the, 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 the move to um, telemedicine, telehealth by uh, ensuring that the infrastructure was there to support that, you know, some of the things that, you know, you wouldn't ordinarily worry about or think about, you know, internet bandwidth, um, mm. you know, uh, security to, to support, uh, you know, cloud services. Right. And, right. And, and these are things we work on day in, day out, but now on a different scale, 
on a scale that many many institutions had not contemplated before then. And at the same time that um, many of the clinicians were also providing those services from home, not even from the the you know four walls of the from within the four walls of the hospital, but now they're also providing the virtual service from home. So so the patient is virtual, the clinician is virtual. There was a lot of that going on as well. Right. And so enabling that, that was that, those were really exciting times for us. And um, you know, we were successful in enabling that and proving out that you know virtual care, uh, telemedicine can can work. Now, beyond that, now there's a lot going on across the industry in 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 uh, particularly in, in the areas of what some would call the last mile, mm -hmm. last mile of care delivery, which is really bringing care directly to the people that you're trying to care for. And, you know, there are many, many advancements, you know, with um, the use of uh, IOTs and, uh, you know, Internet of Things and Internet of Medical Things, devices like wearables that people have in their homes, that they have on their persons, that can now be integrated into caring for them. Um, and th th those are really just opening up lots of opportunities to improve access and to improve the quality of care. No, that, that's pretty cool. Um, so the another question sort of that I had was, you know, I think uh, we're all in the midst of this whole digital transformation journey and most organizations are uh, on that on that path. And of course, um, you know, based on um, whatever I, I read about uh, about your journey, uh, you know, you you felt that, um, you know, wherever you've been, you always try to imp impose that and, and everybody's on on this digital transformation path. So what are some of the key initiatives that you are sort of focusing on in, in the near term to, well, have a significant impact uh, for HSS? Yeah, so, you know, um, with digital transformation, organizations have often focused on, um, you know, optimizing or digitizing their channels of service, the channel through which they provide service right. uh, to, to their customers uh, and, and or digitizing the, the products that they provide as well, and often less so on... Uh, operations within the organization and in, in terms of how people within the company do what they do you know the, one easy way to think about this is so let's say your your, your digital business you you know your custom you interact with your customers through digital channels and everything to the outside world looks like it's all you know digitized and all that but within your own organization in terms of how people do what they do daily day in day out you still have many paper-bound processes. Right. Um, you know, you're missing out. You're, you're losing opportunities for improvements there. And and employees also come to work with certain expectations. They, they expect, you know, for things to be digital. All our, you know, we look around us everywhere we go, our shopping, our banking, and so many things are digital. And so the expectations, even within the companies, that there should be more of that. So one of the areas of focus for me and my team has been uh, to make sure that we provide more of that digital experience, the digital employee experience, uh, to make what everybody does even easier for them, uh, to make their access to services easier and more efficient. So um, we have a project to implement a digital assistant. Uh, 
mm -hmm. uh, AI-enabled digital assistant within the company. Uh, we're also looking at using the same technology uh, to, to, as part of our patient engagement, but our initial focus that I'm more, uh, focused on in the immediate phase is on the, the, the employee side of the organization. So anything to make um, remove friction for the employees in terms of what they need to do really you know, yields dividend in terms of how well they're able to take care of our customers, our patients. And so that's one of the things I'm, I'm focused on. And then some of the uh, classic uh, areas of opportunities that we have in IT, like so IT service management is, is, is a, it's even more important now that IT rebrands itself as a, as a digital service provider to the organization. Right. Um, because after all, you know, we have internal clients, you know, uh, 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 fellow uh, co colleagues in the organization, they are our clients, and they have expectations of, of how they want to consume services. And those expectations are influenced by their digital experiences outside of the organization. And so we are focused on improving IT service delivery and, and repositioning IT as a service organization to, to, to the company. So just touching on that a little bit and, and also piggybacking on something you spoke about earlier, the example you gave is that imagine I went to went one place for a test and then I go to another place um, and 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 I got to you know I go to another doctor and they make me take more of the same test even though I just taken them. So do you do you foresee some kind of a standard platform uh, or something to that degree so taking shape over over a period because I I, I agree with you I mean. Uh, it, it happens to all of us, right? And you go for your yeah. second opinion or something like that. And and all of a sudden, you get this laundry list of tests again. And you're like, oh, we just took them. Why can't you just take it from there, et cetera? It just, it just becomes um, very um, very cumbersome, uh, to say the least. But then again, it, it goes hand in hand in terms of the whole service delivery mechanism and, and how uh, IT and the whole digital world has to think about how you create that seamlessness. So do you, do you, you know, I know in a perfect world, the answer would be yes, but do, do you see the standardization, uh, platformization uh, of, uh, of these things coming into the picture soon? I, I think so, because there's just given how much work's uh, already going on in that space um, from different angles. So you, you have some of the big uh, uh, EMR vendors, some of the big uh, electronic medical records vendors like uh, Epic and, and, and Cerner trying to tackle that problem, uh, albeit from within their particular ecosystem. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have them nonetheless trying to improve interoperability and the ability for participating institutions to share data. Right. You have some of the technology companies uh, providing tools on their platforms. I, I know uh, Apple uh, on their iOS devices do have um, a technology that allows you to share your records with uh, institutions, your medical records with institutions right from your handheld smart, smart device. So you've got that. Uh, and then there are regulatory, uh, there are, you know, regulate, uh, re regulatory frameworks uh, been developed and, and, and some already extant that aim to you know ease that data sharing and interoperability. There are policies that have gone into effect that would hopefully in the next as we go forward um, 
uh, assist with that. You know, one of one of the uh, recent rules that went in um, uh, on info, what's called information blocking, which is a rule that <clears throat> that dictates uh, the requirement for healthcare providers to share data back with their patients, and and the framework the, the provide it provides guidelines for how they should do that and and and, and penalties for institutions that fail to do that. So it's all coming together. It's been right. slow. Mm -hmm. It's been painful, but it's going to happen. And then when we think about some of the potentially enabling technologies that we have, um, like blockchain technologies, one of the areas that people have been exploring for a number of years now um, with uh, uh, about blockchains in healthcare is data sharing and interoperability. That's one of the, just given the decentralized and secure nature of um, distribu uh, you know, blockchain platforms, uh, it's a it it potentially could help address aspects of that problem, and there are a number of projects out there that were tackling that. So it's all going to come together, and we're making we're we're making progress towards that. No, that that makes a lot of sense, and I can see how blockchain can be a huge enabler uh, for for this initiative. Um, not fantastic. Um, I'm going to ask you one last question. It's it's a little bit of a broad question. Uh, but, you know, uh, and it's a two-part question, but definitely very interested in your uh, opinion. Um, so what, you know, what do you think of the evolving role of tech leaders today is and how should technology leaders sort of, um, you know, think about how they partner with their counterparts, business, et cetera? And the second part of the question is, um, what advice would you have for someone who's a newbie coming into the technology space wants to become a, com a computer a computer comp sci major or something to that extent, what advice would you give them? Okay, um, so so traditionally, you know, technology leaders were uh, considered, um, you know, prim as primarily responsible for managing IT systems and IT infrastructure uh, keeping the lights on uh, and, and you know just providing the plumbings uh, for the technology uh, uh, infrastructure of the organization. Uh, if anything, over the last several years, uh, well at least over the last few years, it's it's become increasingly clear. You know, as as organizations become more and more digital, irrespective of the sector, it's become increasingly uh, clear. That technology leaders are not just plumbers in, in terms of maintaining the uh, underpinnings of your technology infrastructure, but but also that they are responsible really for ident identifying emerging technologies, you know, uh, assessing the potential impact of those technologies on your business and your business model, uh, and then implementing those technologies strategically to drive the business outcomes that the organization is looking for, you know. I, more and more businesses get enabled or disrupted with technology, irrespective of what sector you're in. Um, te technology can be a huge enabler for your business, and it could also be a huge disruptor for your business. So that means technology leaders now have a, a more business-focused role to play in the success of the business. They're no longer just you know, the geeks in the back of the room Right. Um, ensuring that their computers and the data center or the cloud you know systems are up and running no they actually a, a, an effective technology leader needs to 
have uh, a good insight into what's happening on the business landscape in, in the sectors that they're in, as well as in the technology landscape to understand, you know, what's the impact, the effect of emerging technologies on, on your business and what technologies do you need to assist the business in doing what it's trying to do and what it needs to do to, to, to remain successful now and in the future. So it means um, to be a successful tech leader, you need to you know, be a, a successful business leader, understand business, uh, understand technology, understand innovation. Innovation is a big part of being a successful tech leader these days because right. there's so much change happening um, either, uh, directly and indirectly through technology that you have to not only know how to innovate, but also how to help cultivate the culture of innovation within your organization. And so tech leaders are innovators as well. And they have to be good communicators, uh, able to foster cross-functional collaboration across the organization and able to move quickly, you know, enable, enable uh, adoption of uh, you know, agile practices within the organization. So being a tech leader today is not what it was, I would say even, 10 years ago, it's in, in, it's become increasingly uh, more business focused, more agile, more more uh, uh, and definitely more innovative in terms of how of, of outlook. In terms of advice to um, you know professionals that are just beginning their their journeys in this space, I, I would say this is exciting times. Honestly, I feel excited uh, when I look at the, the developments that's happening. When I look at what what's happening with generative generative AI and the potential that it has to create new business opportunities to expand you know businesses and really to change how we even do IT operations it's huge so i would say to anyone you know any young technologies new technologies coming into the industry uh, you, you, this is exciting times, and but you got to be ready and willing to keep learning, to keep learning. Accelerated learning is important. You have to be able to learn fast and and, and broadly. Learn fast, go deep, and then broad. Go deep and broad. What, what do I mean by that? It means that, you know, when just as we're talking about AI now, you got to understand what's, what's, what does this mean for my area? What does this mean for what my business does? And then you you go deep in learning more, get a, a, a go beyond the shallow understanding of what we're talking about you know have a, a good understanding enough to be able to uh, advise your business and 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 help your business with that understanding and then go broad in the sense that you also want to see what else is happening you know in the landscape you don't want to be so narrowly focused on one thing that you miss what's happening uh, elsewhere broadly speaking so uh, it's exciting times to be in technology. I, when I talk to young folks, I say, hey, if you're thinking about what to do and you're not sure of a career choice, give technology uh, a look. It's a good place to be in uh, for a long time to come. So I, I hope that's helpful. Oh, absolutely. No, that's some fantastic advice. And well, I definitely echo it uh, for sure. I think um, it's, we're living in some very, very exciting times. And uh, and as you rightly said, technology has become a huge enabler. And and today, uh, technologists are seen as partners as opposed to those geeks in the back um, or, or the people who are just managing the plumbing. 
So definitely, um, you, we are seeing more and more of the business lean into technologists. And, and as we forge ahead, um, it's that we're looking at very, very great and bright future from a technology point of view. So thank you. Yeah, really appreciate your time. Uh, and, and it's been fantastic talking with you. Thanks, Stefan. I, I enjoyed our conversation. Fantastic. And that's a wrap.